This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all sing sound and video coordinator, Maxine. Oh, how's it going? Maxime, I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after way too long, a long time Yahoo Sports Basketball Authority, where she dominates coverage of the NBA and college hoops, a renowned draft expert who has followed players like James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, and Moses Moody throughout their sporting lives, and a woman who apparently went on a date with a contestant from The Bachelor, Miss Kristen Peake. What's going on, KP? I totally forgot I told you that story. This is incredible. Yes. Dude, I've been waiting for some response to that forever. Um, so here, look, this is a text, Maxime, I got from KP a while back, and I've been sitting on it, dude, for like months, months to finally uh, to, to ask her about it. Quote, I have another story about a dude that tried to hit on me in Vegas. His opening line, you're probably wondering where you know me from. Uh, and then ultimately it sounds like she should have known him from The Bachelor. KP, it's the Bachelorette. I like it was the weirdest thing. And that like that wasn't necessarily his opening line. He, he first was like we were sitting there just alone. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't we just started talking. And then and then he just goes, he's like, oh, so um, you're probably wondering where you know me from. Right. And I was <laughs> what do you like, say to that? Do I you just play said along? I was. I was like, no, I, I said, should I know you? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I work in basketball. Like, unless you're a basketball player or a coach or an agent, like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know you. And he goes, he's like, oh, I was on the bachelorette. Um, I'm sure your mom or sister knows who I am. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, and then I was telling Bram, I come across this video on Instagram and it's this other dude ranting about his like, his college roommate um, at Harvard and how like he was the next like great mind. He took like the hardest math class that nobody ever takes at Harvard. And then I guess like years down the road, somebody sent him a link. They're like, dude, your roommate is on the bachelorette. And it was this dude. I can't even remember his name, but I was just like, Oh my God, that's the guy. That's the guy I sat next to in Vegas that, that total confidently was like, so you're probably knowing, we're wondering where you know me from. And I was like, oh. Can we pause and give you incredible credit for your impression of a douchey man? Because I feel like just the voice you're using is really immediately was, communicating what kind of a douche that dude was. When you uh, when you saw the follow-up 
right? When you saw another video, apparently talking about that guy and found out that he also went to Harvard. Give me a sense of your personality. Did you want to call if, him again? Or were you like, fuck that guy? You know, <laughs> no, if he, he would have, if he would have led with, if he would have led with, I went to Harvard, I got my master's at so-and-so like, and never mentioned the bachelorette, like thinking that like, I was some like fanned out fan of his. I was just like, I've, I've never watched The Bachelorette. I watch 87 basketball games a day. Like we just talked about this. Like I'm watching really, really bad college basketball today and tomorrow because the season started on Monday and nobody's playing anyone, but that doesn't matter. I still watch it. So it's like, when am I going to have time to two hours out of my night to watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I'm willing to bet almost any amount of money that during that first date, that dude was wearing a Harvard shirt because anybody who's pompous enough to drop the, you know, <laughs> you may be wondering where you know me from and who went to Harvard is definitely wearing some he kind wasn't, of Harvard He wasn't, but he wasn't, but he was in a V-neck. He was in this like black <laughs> V-neck. And there like, you go. It's the same thing. That's, that's basically a fucking Harvard shirt right there. <laughs> Maxime, have you ever done anything douchey in a dating situation? Have you ever done it? You know, like, oh, I went to this school or you know me from here. Anything like that? No, I, I ascribe to the like less is more ideology, right? I would rather people discover things about me because then I feel like I have the upper hand. I'm, I'm desperate to impress anybody I'm on our first date with, but I've never done anything douchey like that. I can remember uh, freshman year, I had a TA who I was desperately in love with, just like over the top, would have done anything. And she suggested off the cuff that I take this French literature fucking class. And I immediately went and had all these prerequisites that I had not taken. You needed to know French. I barely speak fucking English. You know, like it, it did not go well for me. We did not have any kind of a relationship, but I was still desperate to impress her and took that fucking class. So that, that's about as close as I get. And it's not close. That's full on commitment taking a college class for a chick. I bet it was at, I bet it was at 8 a.m. too, I bet. Oh, it definitely was. And then, again, it was in French, Kristen. And I understand one fucking thing that happened in that class. I did not do that well, but I tell you what, we digress. I have so much basketball stuff I want to cover with you. Um, one piece of housekeeping, you heard me say it up front. So we are on YouTube, KP, and uh, we're trying to make this medium really work for us. So today is kind of a test case for that. Maxime, in addition to giving his takes, in addition to synthesizing our sound, he's also gonna be our video coordinator. So as we go on today, what we talk about will occasionally pop up on screen and feel free to like really be impressed by that. You know, like really giving preps and, and the whole nine yards because we, uh, we wanna get people onto our YouTube channel. Uh, let's start with our glass half full, Maxime. Why don't you go first, man? Take uh, a look at recent Warriors basketball. Give me something you like or didn't like. I mean, we finally cracked the losing streak, right? You got to really celebrate that one. Um, uh, I I actually, I'm going to call that kind of a glass half empty. I think we were all pretty frustrated in general with how close it would be against a, uh, a, a pretty lackluster Kings team. The longest uh, active playoff drought of any team in American sports and we're going to a nail-biter with them. It just does not bode well overall for how we're doing uh, as a team this year. It didn't feel good. It also didn't feel good to, I don't know, I'm sort of beating a dead horse a little bit here, but I just got to say, I, I could not have been less in sync with what was going on with our uh, our commentating crew. Uh, I just felt like, once again, Fitz was not kind of reading the room and making the whole experience for me all the more aggravating and annoying. I just, I couldn't even wallow in my own self-pity with this team i was just generally very frustrated 
KP, there's been a longtime announcer here in the Bay Area, a guy named Bob Fitzgerald, who's been with the team for as long as I can remember, um, is really well experienced, done like the Olympics. He did the fucking Sabercats, I think. He did indoor football. He has been everywhere, and his knowledge is unassailable. But he also has a real fuck you relationship with Warrior fans out here. I mean, there, there's a real hate for him. And I, I won't speak for other people, but I'll tell you where I get frustrated. He plays a homer. He goes out of his way to, you know, like, oh, he's, he'll say things like good guys 105, bad guys 101. I mean, there, there's no question who on the broadcast he's rooting for. But while he's playing a homer, he'll also give a bunch of shots or, or credit to the other team. Like last night, he kept talking about how well Sacramento's playing. Well, fucking pick a side. If you're a homer, fine. Be a homer. If you're objective, fine. Be, be objective. But don't pretend to be on my team and then slowly give, uh, you know, unassailable compliments to the other side. It just drives me crazy, but I'll follow up on what Maxime says. Uh, glass half full, Steph Curry, godlike performance. Uh, 47 points, eight and eight, seven threes. Looked unbelievable. Did all of the kind of things that we have come to expect from Steph Curry. But I'll give you the downside, the glass half full, KP. It's Steph's performance. It took a God-level performance. Again, 47, eight and eight to eke out a three-point victory against a Sacramento team at home. And so I am, I'm getting worried about this. And in fact, we can even say that that game probably should have gone to overtime. Um, and instead of even asking you for your glass half full, I'm going to push us to the golden questions because it fits right in here. Here's a question someone sent us. As fun as Steph was last night, that game could easily have gone to OT if the refs have decided Clay touched Herder. Do you think that was a foul or a good no call at the end of the game? So here's the play, KP. Um, you know, that's a it's they're they're down three. Let's watch that one more time if we can, Maxime. I guess I'll probably give us a slow motion here. What I want is your non-homer take. All right. I watch this. And I immediately say, fuck Kevin Herter. He doesn't deserve this call, especially at the end of the game. But you watch it. You tell me they should have called it. Hold on. Okay. Is he giving him space to land? He's not. That's a foul. <laughs> He's not giving him space to land. How many times have we seen Clay and Steph got, get, like, getting that foul, no matter where they are on the court? Here's you, got, you, have to, you have to let the player land and – Clay did not, is that Clay or Steph? Clay, Clay did not give him any space to land. He's basically pushing him out of bounds. Here's what sucks. I, he is fading. He is fading, but yeah. What sucks is I got all ready to fight you on this. You know, because I knew for sure you're gonna call it a foul. But when I was getting ready to fight, all I was looking at were hands. I wasn't even thinking about giving him space to land at all. All of the back and forth has been, did he touch cool. his arm? Did he get close? The second you started looking at that saying, does he give him place to land? And I looked down, I thought to myself, oh no, because he definitely did not. Yeah. And who's to say, I mean, it's the Kings, right? Who's going to say, who's, who's to say they're going to make all those free throws anyways. <laughs> yeah. Can Boom. I, can I tell you my, my half glass full half glass empty is for you guys. Half glass full. Um, you're not the Lakers. So that's exciting to still be in the West. And another, I'll give you two half glass fulls. It's the beginning of November. Who cares if you guys have gone one in seven or whatever it is in the last eight games or whatever? Uh, there's no, okay. there's no, uh, there's not an about. inkling. There's no, there's not an inkling of worry 
in my mind about the Warriors. Thank you for saying that. All right. Here's why I was really excited to talk to you today. And you are perfectly suited for it. All right. Um, and I, I should have pulled the clip and sent it to Maxime. I did not. But there's footage. I think they called it the joy cam. The Warriors have a, a camera that is always looking at the bench. And they, if if you go onto their webpage, you can, you can occasionally find that. And there's footage of Steph when he hit this huge three and he's getting the, the crowd all fired up that shows JK not move one inch, not one. And it shows Wiseman kind of haphazardly put up his arm, but he didn't look incredibly, uh, you know, like he was having the time of his life. And where we're going in a, in a question here, what I'm going to ask you, the thing I'm worried about is the Warriors' depth. And I believe that they are going to need two of the following three players to give them 20 minutes in the playoffs. Moody, JK, or Wiseman. And so I've got some questions about their development. Because that's what I'm worried about. Of course, it's early, you know, and, and of course, we're, we're only 11 games in, but I have some concerns. Before we get there, let me show you one more clip, all right? Because it also fits in with what we were just talking about. Um, you said that, that Steph and Clay always get those calls. KP, no, they don't. Steph doesn't get any calls. It, it drives me crazy. And I'll tell you what, it's not just me who it drives crazy. Do we have a uh, show Steph getting that tech last night? No call. No call. Loses his mind. Watch out the, okay. uh, the ref. No, 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 no. But you guys, you have to, you know this, you know this as Warriors fans. Steph created that contact shot. That shot never existed. What he just did right there. That shot never existed until Steph Curry. And now the refs, this is what, year two, where they've decided that's no longer a call. We're not making that call because so many players are now using that for, as a foul. So Steph should know that that's no longer a call. That's different. He is he is trying, he's initiating contact for the shot. That's not him in his face allowing someone to land. Anytime I've seen Steph shoot a three like that where he's not going into the player and they're not allowed to land, he's going to get the call. But the second he jumps into the player and tries to initiate contact, we already know this is year two. That's not that's a no call. That's a no call. That's a no call. That was Ty Jerome. That's a no call. Maybe if it's De'Aaron Fox, it's a that's no a no call. call. If it's Kevin Herter, if you've changed the league, if you've if you've literally if changed you change that league with that with that shot and with that call, then you are the you are the poster child of no call for that shot because he's leaning into. He knows exactly what he's doing. Like you cannot you cannot convince me otherwise. And like I'm sorry, Warriors fans, if we are agreeing to disagree on this. But that is, he's never going to get that call. I'm not agreeing to disagree. I'm agreeing to call you wrong. Here's something we might be able to agree on, though. Does it look like Maxime is recording from the surface of the sun? Does he have like an unbelievable amount of light behind him? Or is that just my footage? It's, un it it's unbelievable. I don't, what is happening? I don't even know where the sun is coming from. I keep on trying to shift my camera angle. It's, a, it's an absolute disaster. Here is the, the sun. Had, the sun didn't even come out today in Utah. So I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> Don't even talk. We're not even talk. Don't even get me started on living in Utah. Go on. It's my favorite topic. I may or may <laughs> not have a bunch of questions about living in Utah down the line. But for now, follow up on Steph, because there is a golden question on this one. All right. Here's the question. Quote, Steph uncharacteristically lost his cool last night and charged the official for attack. Do you like the emotion? Or would you have preferred if he avoided the T? I'll take this one first because it dovetails on what we were just saying. I loved the emotion. So we, you, this is not a shock to you, KB. We've talked about Steph's lack of foul calls, and it's a homer take, but I still stand by it. We've talked about it forever. We've talked about it for so long that a while back we spoke with Jim Barnett, um, then TV guy, now radio guy, about it. And what he said was, you know what I want to see? I want to see Steph lose his mind. 
I want to see him go and attack an official. I want to see him lose his uncharacteristic cool because until he throw does his that, mouthpiece at a fan, throw, throw, he didn't throw his mouthpiece. It wasn't at a fan. It was <laughs> that fan happened to be sitting where he was throwing his mouthpiece. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a cause and effect thing. But but what we saw last night, I think, I hope because of, of you know how demonstrative he was is Steph was finally taking JB's advice. He got tired of it. He was willing to take the foul, and he wanted to go fucking crazy. And so I'm glad that he did. I'm happy with it. Um, what do you think, Maxime? D did you like seeing the showing of emotion, or do you like it better when he kind of keeps his cool? No, well, I, I before I respond, I'm just going to let Steph speak for himself a little bit here. I see a lot of stupid jokes about me kicking a chair a couple years ago, and uh, it's going on a ride after that. So maybe that'll be this year's very Right. So, I mean, uh, yes, I love it. Right. I think he's the leader of the team in every sense. I just heard uh, a quote today. I can't remember who was saying it on the radio, but somebody talking about how Steph is getting in Jordan Poole's ear and saying, hey, look, keep on playing like you're the guy. Um, that kind of energy, if Steph is getting at it from all angles, eventually these pieces are going to fit. You know, we are all talking about how we missed the Jordan Poole from the pre-contract days. He's going to come back. And these are the types of things that show that Steph cares. And if Steph cares, everybody else is going to care. Do you want to tell KP that she's entirely wrong and that Steph doesn't get any calls at all and should have gotten that foul last night? Or do you think she already knows? <laughs> she must already know. I mean, look, if this is this is called the straw that broke the camel's back, right? I don't – sure, fine. Okay, I get it. That's annoying. I don't like when James Harden does this kind of bullshit. Like, I, it's, not, it's not valuable for the league. Fine. But I, I don't think that there's – I swear, man, I swear, Steph is not getting enough calls. And this is just the straw that broke the camel's back. Christian, you look confused. I bet you that's just because you're thinking, where do you recognize me from? It's from this podcast. I did. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Here, let, let me put it this way. Um, I have watched the Warriors not be good for the majority of my life. And for the first two plus decades, I became aware of unfair things that happened with stars. You know, I watched Kobe get all the calls against us, even when they were not justified. But look, that's what happens. They're TV stars. I watched that. With Magic Johnson, I watched that with Michael Jordan. Uh, there, there's a certain benefit that you earn when you become the face of the league. And then our guy became the face of the league, and I don't feel like we're getting that fucking benefit. And so there, there's a disconnect. I've been watching. I'm not telling you that it's an actual foul, that you look at the, the rule book and should come away with the foul, but there's a tradition where you call borderline things in the, in the favor of the star. No. Okay. Here's where you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> All of those players that you just named, Magic, um, Michael Jordan, Kobe, even LeBron, I know, has gotten calls over his career. Those guys play a different way than Steph does. Steph has virtually changed the way that the point guard and guard shooting guard position has played. None of the other guys did that, right? And so when I'm telling – and the reason why – those other guys are getting the majority of the calls and they're getting favoritism calls is because they're bullying their way to the lane. They're doing, you know, different yep. things than what Steph does. And so when Steph is a shooter first, and then when he gets in the lane and he tries to do what we just saw, which is now like, you can't do that in the NBA because of what Steph and James Harden, like you said, Maxime have done in the past. Like that's different. I don't think that's favoritism at all. I see it more as like, those Steph is a way different player than MJ, Kobe, uh, LeBron, Magic. Way different. The game is now shifted. The game is different. You talk to any NBA team that is looking at draft prospects, they want versatile wings that can shoot the three and be plugged into different positions. Yep. 
that's the Steph effect. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can see it as like favoritism or not. Like he just plays a different way than those other players before him. Yeah. I mean, I, what I'm looking for is the Donahue bump. Did you watch that Donahue documentary on, on Netflix? No. Watch it. Watch it. Unbelievable. <laughs> I think it's called flagrant foul. Uh, Donahue's the guy who was, um, who admitted to fixing games as an NBA okay. referee. Um, but one of the things he talks about is like, look, stars are treated differently. You know, he, he specifically calls out Michael Jordan. He says that Phil Jackson called him to the side after a traveling call and said, yeah, the league wants you to call it not against him, you know, and it's, it's, it's what I'd like to see from Steph, but what you are saying does make sense to me. I mean, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from and I think you're wrong and it's breaking my heart to hear you say it, but I can, uh, I can imagine it. Um, okay. Let me get to the portion that I really wanted to ask you about. So to make it fit, into the golden question thing. Here's the question. Quote, the Warriors have three underdeveloped youngsters in Wiseman, JK, and Moody and need at least two of them to be capable of playing 20 minutes in a playoff game come April. Please have KP back on and get her opinion on that if even possible. So, you know, I agree with this question. You know, I, I am. I'm worried about their ability to get up there. So the way I framed it is, let's go through each of these players, player by player, and I got three questions, the same three questions for all three. Uh, let me start. Let's go Wiseman. And so before I even give you one of the three questions, give me a little background. How long have you been watching Wiseman play? How long have you known him? Since he was 15, 16 years old. Okay. Um, and so what, four or five? How long has that been now? Uh, I mean, h- how many, how many actual how games is. have yeah, I seen? Is he 19, 20? I'm not, I just no, don't remember I think he's, he I think he's 20, maybe 21. Okay. So you've, you've gotten a chance to not only watch him play, you know him a little bit personality yes. wise and let you know. So precursor, this is just opinion. KP has not talked to, to these players. She's not reading anybody's minds. This is just opinion. That's all it is. But in your opinion, here's the first question. Based on what you know about Wiseman's personality, do you think he is currently happy in Golden State? And so, you know, factor in last year, they went last year, he, he didn't play, but he, he saw the mountaintop, you know, won a title. And then where he is now, they, they tried to force him into the rotation, didn't really work, didn't play at all last night. What do you think? If, if you had to guess, how happy is this guy? I mean, he celebrated in the, in the locker room when he won the championship, like, like he had played every game last season. So I think he was very happy about that, about you know, the fact that he now has a ring and that that's kind of off his shoulders. We've talked about that for, for all three of those players that, yep. you know, in order to have that so early in your career, it kind of lifts the weight off your shoulders for, for, from here on out. But for Wiseman specifically, I mean, obviously he's frustrated and the, his, the team is frustrated with him. And when we look back to the last three or four years, he's only played maybe 25 games, um, which is insane. Cause he only played three in college I don't know how many played his fresh or his rookie year and they didn't play a single game last year. So, I mean, it's the, I always say this, that there's a jump from high school to college. That's really hard to make. And when you're the number one player coming out of high school, that's a little bit easier, right? Yep. But you only played three games and you only played three games at Memphis against bullshit competition. I'm sorry. And then to go, and then there's an even bigger jump that not a lot of people make fluidly, like, and we saw the 2020, the 2021 draft class was an anomaly, like with Kay Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, like that, that is unprecedented. We don't see that a lot, but what we saw from James Wiseman and even LaMelo and, and Ant Edwards, they took a little time to settle in and he didn't get that cushion. So now he is now a year removed 
is trying to, you know, get back to the pace of the NBA with not even really experiencing the pace of college coming out of high school, you know, with these high projections as the number one player, being able to do whatever he wanted, he was never challenged. And so of course there's going to be frustrations and there's going to be growing pains. And like, we're seeing that now. And, you know, when you look at, I told, I told you I had a stat, but he's, he's been whistled for 6.8 personal fouls per 36 minutes of floor time, the highest rate of any player in the NBA to log more than a hundred minutes. So I know that there's people in the organization that are also tracking these stats and he looks a step behind and everywhere on defense, you see Steph's frustration in the pick and roll. He's not pulling right. Then he's rolling his eyes and Steph's having to put up a tough shot. Like none of it is positive, but there's still time. Did Wiseman specialize in missing screens and then throwing temper tantrums in college in those three games? Do you know? Did you see that at any point or? No, but he never had to do, he never had to worry about the pick and pop. He always just bullied everyone in the lane and grabbed rebounds. Like the the competition in college is significantly less than the NBA and the spacing. Right. Like you got to be able to roll the right way or, or like, how, hello, how do you not know just set a pick for the best shooter in, in the NBA? Like why does Steph? Why does Steph have to call for that? That was that Actually, was the play call. I mean, that was the play call. They called the play call for him to catch a high screen, and he didn't set it. Um, the, these are none of the three questions I was supposed to ask, but I I always get distracted by your knowledge. How were Wiseman's hands growing up? Because if the ball is below his nipples, he can't fucking catch it right now. They're all just going immediately out of bounds. Was that a problem in in prep? Was that a problem at at Memphis? I I can't, I can't say specifically that it was something that ever stood out to me. Um, I'm sure he kind of, you know, jumble passes and everything like in transition, because as a big, you have great footwork, but like sometimes your hand-eye coordination is something that you have to really work towards um, and, and figure out. But, um, oh, you figured it out, Maxine, the light. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. but I've seen players with way worse hands than Wiseman at the prep level um, where it is a cause for concern. I don't ever remember that being a concern at the prep level, but you're right. Like he is turning the ball over way too much. Here is uh, maybe the most important question for all three of these people, certainly for Wiseman. So different people develop in different ways. Some people don't need all the space to make mistakes. I would. If I knew that if I got into the game, and in fact, I don't have to guess, in high school, there was times when I knew that my coach was pissed at me. He put me on the floor waiting for a mistake, and I'd be out at the the first mistake. I played terribly in that setting, terribly. I'm I'm always looking over my shoulder. I didn't develop at all. I couldn't think of anything except for the mistake that was getting ready to come. Off I'd go. If Marcus was here, he'd tell you he was opposite. That's not how he, he just took advantage. Whatever, you know, you got on the floor, whatever minutes he got, that's what he got. And, you know, his, his mental game didn't come in. And so that teaches me there's, there's two different types of players as far as development. Some just take the time they're given. Some need a little bit of extra rope, right? So with that as a background, for Wiseman, because right now these guys, there is no extra rope. They're, they're, you know, if they, they come in, they make a few mistakes, they're gone, mm-hmm. you know, almost immediately. They're not going to get 20 minutes a night. So for Wiseman, what you know of him, can he develop in this environment? Truthfully, I don't know. Yeah. I, and that's as, that's as honest as an answer I can give. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the boy, with him and Kaminga, they have been the guy their entire career. And we've talked about this with Kaminga. And, yep. you know, when you, when you kind of 
cited to their body language when Steph hit, hit big shots like that. That's a testament to, you know, this this youth uh, coming up and just being told you're the one, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one all the way up to the NBA and not being told, yeah, you're great. But listen, um, it's really hard to make the NBA. It's really, really hard to stay on an NBA team and get minutes. And it's extremely hard to be like the guy. So, but they're never told that they're told from a very young age, like you're a five-star, you're the number one, you're the number one recruit. You're the best. You're the best. You're a lottery pick. You're a top two draft pick. You're the guy when in actuality, you know, they're really just being drafted to be a role player, especially on a team that's established like the Warriors. Which leads me, and uh, Maxime, we may be able to find that clip, that Joy Clam thing I was talking about. If you look up Warriors World Twitter account, I think they tweeted it out. Um, and if we do, I'd love to show it to KP. But but back to you, Kristen. Um, do you think, and so all of this is crystal ball stuff. And I heard you. I mean, how can we know, you know whether or not he's capable of developing? But fast forward to April because the Warriors need an answer. You know, I mean, yeah. they, the, the starting five look fine. The next five don't. And JP has not been the answer we kind of wanted him to be, which is a whole nother conversation. If you had to bet something significant, knowing the way you know Wiseman, by April in this environment, do you think he'll get enough time? You know, will he be ready to contribute to a playoff team? It's, it's too, it's still ask me in July or in January, like it's still too early for me to tell. I mean, like the best thing for him right now, if he's not going to get any minutes on the warriors on that rotation, then drop him down to the G league. He just needs to get minutes anywhere he can. Like it's not going to help him sitting on the bench for these games. Like he hasn't played in so long. Like he needs to log those minutes. So I think the best thing for him, if he's not going to be playing in this rotation, get him to a place where he is going to log a lot of minutes, get that confidence back. Yep. Let him remember like, oh, I'm the guy I can block shots. I'm, I know what a pick and pop is pick and roll. I know how to run this offense. So he's not feeling like he's walking on eggshells all the time. And then just catch the ball a few times. I mean, very literally just the yeah. fundamentals have, have the confidence go back in him. Um, let me swing to a player who I feel most confident about these questions for, because we'll go to JK third Moody. All right. Knowing what you, how long have you known Moody? How old was he when you first started covering 16. him? Okay. Um, and you've gotten to watch a lot of him and yeah. as far as what you know of him, do you think he's happy in this environment? I do. And yeah. I'll tell you why. And we've talked about this before. Moody is never, he's always been second fiddle. He was second fiddle to yep. Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Dayron Sharp, um, Derek Whitehead, who's going to be a lottery pick this year on a loaded Mount Verde team in high school, that one of the best basketball teams I've ever seen in, in my career. So he knows his place. He also feels like he has something to prove and he's going to work harder because he was snubbed as a McDonald's all American. I mean, he had to work his ass off at Arkansas to be a lottery yep. pick. Even at 13, he felt like he should have gone a little bit higher. Do you know what I mean? And so, yep. um, I think he thrives in these environments because he's always been that second guy. He never made a USA basketball team during his prep school or his prep time in high school. Um, so he's always going to be a worker, always. And I don't doubt that in him at any level of his career. And that's exactly the same feeling I have had. Um, you know, the next question, I mean, I, and I feel just as optimistic about this second question, but 
Do you feel like this environment Moses Moody can develop in? You know, because he's he's not guaranteed 20 minutes either, but it seems like he has been able to use what's been given to him. Um, but I'm interested in your take. What do you think? I do. I think the only, um, I guess, lapse in his game is on the defensive side. Uh, he's a little flat-footed in terms of going laterally and his lateral quickness. Um, so he's a bit of a liability defensively. But, um, you know, if he consistently knocks down his three and – makes good decisions on offense just in the little time where he's on the court, then he's going to get minutes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. Uh, do you think he'll be ready by April? Can, will Moody be able to contribute to a playoff team? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, all, all of them. <laughs> all of them are just like – How can you know? Yeah, I mean, the let, let me put it this way. Do they have the talent? Go back to Wiseman. Does Wiseman have the talent if he can access it to contribute to a playoff team? I'm, I'm, I don't, don't break I'm my heart. Sure. I'm sorry. Don't break I'm, my heart. Damn it, KP. Uh, Moody. Does Moody have the talent contribute to a playoff team if he if he can access it? Yes. Yeah. Um, which brings us to JK, who I think is like the most volatile in this. Um, and I don't. I'm all over the board with Kaminga, KP. There there are times when I couldn't believe in him more. You know that that if I was going to develop a body that is designed to succeed in this NBA, it would be Jonathan Kaminga's body, you know, and I, and I really can see the upside of what he's capable of. And then there's other times where it looks like he's completely lost and he's one of a thousand people who are athletic enough, but didn't, you know, whatever it was, whatever thing that was missing that didn't allow them to succeed in it. So I'm not sure where we are. Uh, let's use our three questions. Question one, just won a championship, you know, yeah. just got a whole bunch of credit and then lost his position in the rotation and is watching people like Jalen Green and everybody else get their flowers. Do you think Kaminga is happy here? I, I, I think he's, I think he's happy in Golden State. He's frustrated with his role. Yeah. And it goes back to what I said about Wiseman in the sense where it's like he – is he's also one of the youngest players, you know, for his draft class because he reclassified. So um, he should technically have been in uh, this past year's draft class, which yep. is crazy. Um, but I think he's just frustrated. I think, I think he's happy with where he landed because there are, I think, winning Trumps, um, you know, playing 40 mm -hmm. minutes on a losing so does it, I, team. I think that's what I'm asking, right? So I'm, I'm. You listen, I talk, I talk to these kids all the time that are that are in Houston, that are in Orlando. Um, like yep. I talked to Jalen Green extensively about this, and he's just like, you know how hard it is to go out day to go out every night, knowing walking into the arena, thinking, God, we we might lose this game again, yep. and no, and only winning. 20 games out of 82 of them. Okay. Like if, he said, it's like, it hurts your soul as if, a basketball player. If they had some conversation behind the scenes that, you know, we're flying the wall for, because I, I'll, what I was going to say is, look, I'm, I'm more than 25. You tell this to me, of course that makes sense to me. Yeah. That, that long-term success means way more than just immediate playing time success. And they are in this you know phenomenal environment. But you had this conversation with me when I was like 19, 20, you know, and, and I'm watching my friends, do really well and get all of this credit. I don't know if I'm mature enough. It's a personality trait, you know, and, you know I, and what, I, you know what else I think that, that there might be like a divide on um, the Warriors team is the age gap. Yep. Like, I think you look at Wiseman, Kaminga and Moody and they're, they kind of feel like they're on an Island of their own where everybody else has kind of been established, you know, and been in the league a few more, few more years than they have. And, you know, 
having that camaraderie in the locker room, I mean, I can't imagine that Kaminga and Steph share any similarities outside of basketball. Yeah. Like, like Kaminga doesn't have a family. He's not married. You know, he doesn't have kids. And like, uh, you know, Steph is one of the best to play the game. I mean, there's, there's gotta be kind of like this, this gap, not only in age, but also where they are in life. You know what they can probably relate on is neither of them can get a fucking foul call on a basketball game. I, w- I wonder if they just talk about that night and day. Uh, do you think? Let me let me make this a more pointed question. Watching Kaminga not last night, not against Sacto, but in the game that they lost to New Orleans, when everybody sat and they let all of the young guys get as many minutes as they wanted, Kaminga looked like a different player. You know, he looked like what I was describing before. When he knows that he's got a limited leash, he's just waiting for the mistake. You know, when he had time to play through it, looked like he was, you know, he's going to do a lot better. There's not going to be a lot of those environments here. No. He's not going to get a lot of those. So can this guy develop in this situation? You know, if, if you were his agent and all you wanted was his development, is this situation good for him? No, because he's not going to get that that leash, that long leash and – numerous games this season and he's too good to drop down to the G league. Like I think Wiseman should, you know, so he's just going to get these, either those games where they just decide like, no, we're going to let the younger guys play or he's going to get, you know, those, those minutes where if he is playing well, then you get to stay in the game. But the second you make a mistake, you're out. And so like, I mean, no agent wants that because the more you're on the court, the more marketable you you are, the more people are talking about you, the more jerseys you sell, the more everything. So like, can they be happy about that situation? Selfishly? No, but where, where are you going to go? Maxime. So one of the things we talked about before KP joined us, um, I'd use the word trade and well, later in this week, we're going to do a trade podcast. So we just learned a little something about these guys. Yeah. Having heard what, what Christian just described about these three personalities, it was up to you. If Bobby Myers gave you a call and said, man, Maxime, I need some advice. Dude. I'm not sure if I should keep these guys through April. Should I trade them or develop them right now? What would your answer be? Look, I'm, it's still too early for me to say, let's blow it up. I mean, let's blow up the project of moving forward with trying to bridge the gap between the previous winners and the next generation. But I'm also like, who are you really going to get back for something like that, right? I mean, you need yeah. to have a equivalent value in the trade. These aren't big contracts. You're not going to necessarily get a difference maker. You know, we got Dante DiVincenzo in the wings coming back from injury. I'm not really seeing anybody out there that's going to get us much better unless we're packaging somebody else with a much larger contract in there as well. And, and that makes the conversation all the more difficult to uh, agree to. Yeah, I mean, what makes it kind of tricky, what's interesting is that if the, the more film we get on these guys, their trade value is not going to remain static. You know, it, it's possible that it goes up, that they do develop and things happen. But based on our conversation that we just had, you know, probably not. That That's not the way I'm looking at it. And there's a better chance that their trade value goes down. And so if we wanted to do anything, you know, time might be of the essence Um but I guess I guess we'll find out. You know, I I don't know. I don't uh, think I don't think I think it's too early to raise any red flags. To be honest, this is like mean? a I, no. This is like this isn't even games. This is like a January February conversation. And why? What is it? What would you want to see before you're like, okay, I've seen it now. I know what to do next. Well, it's just a, it's like you don't want to jump the gun on a on a group of 19, 20, 21 year olds that 
you know, could actually develop, like, what did we see the Lakers do? They got rid of D'Lo, they got rid of Brandon Ingram, and their second landing spot, they really flourished. Look what, look what uh, Andrew Wiggins is to you guys. Like, he just signed a huge contract, but he was, he was in Minnesota where everyone thought his career was done. Yep. You know, so I, and that New Orleans Lakers thing is a phenomenal example because not only did those second-year players go on and do a lot more, but the Lakers had to give up first-round picks the same way the Warriors probably would have to if they give up these yeah. guys to bring back a star. Right now, that first-round pick could be Victor Wenbanyama. Even the Lakers are one of the worst teams in the league right now. If, and then if, New Orleans, can you imagine Zion? Can you imagine Zion? No, I cannot. <laughs> and it's not. And it's Ingram too. It'd be a front court that had Zion <laughs> and CJ and Wenbanyama. So I mean, but but the the looking at it from New Orleans, it's exciting. For the Warriors, the people who we would be in that trade are the Lakers, you know, and they're stuck with an aging star who's not doing a whole lot and no draft picks to help make it up. No. And so, yeah, there's 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 a cavern there too that that's concerning, you know. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to something you've already told us, but I need it, right? So I'm I'm too in the middle of this. I I, I knew for sure, Christian, they were going to lose that New Orleans game when they sat everybody, and I watched it like my life depended on it. Like I was like emotionally invested. Same thing with this Sacktail game. So looking from afar, somebody who does this for a living, um, you know, it's not the year that we thought it was going to be so far. They're four and 11. Also, it's only been 15 games. What, what's been your takeaway so far on the Warriors? It's not even, I'm not even worried. I'm not because you're in the West. Like I, they, the Warriors are a team, you know what you know who they are. They're like, they're like in Zaga. Like Gonzaga always figures it out. They always find a way to make the tournament in the last 25 plus years. Like nobody's ever worried about Gonzaga. They just lost to Tennessee in an exhibition game by 20 points. No one cares. No one's worried about it. Like that's the way I look at the Warriors 15 games in the season. The same way last year when they went 10 and one or whatever, you're like, oh, you think we're going to win the championship? And I'm like, I don't know. But it we did. I know <laughs> you did. I know you did. I know. But it, it's 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 the same way. Like the, the West, it's like, it's, it's so wild and unpredictable. And what you need in a championship caliber team is experience and, you know, uh, players that have been there before. And we, that's all golden state, all the warriors are made up of. So I am not worried about it at all. Who you guys should really be worried about is the jazz, because this is a team that was built for tanking and they're going to make the playoffs and it's blowing my mind. I'm like, do they not know? Like I I can see like Danny Ainge just pulling his hair out. Just like, no, we sent like they sent, they sent their head scout from here over to Europe to watch a man in the star Thompson who are projected top five picks for like three weeks when they played in Spain and, and, uh, and Belgrade, Serbia, and where it, when I was there, and I was like, "Oh, you've just been following around the Thompson twins." And he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, we're gonna have a high pick, and now they're 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 gonna do the most Utah thing ever and like make the playoffs and like get a really horrible draft pick." Which I can I mean. imagine Ainge like going to closed door meeting with Lori Markinen. and you know, and he's like, "Lori, I need you to remember something. You're Lori Markinen. and Lori's like, "Yeah, you know, I am pretty good." So, no, 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 no. You're Laurie Marketing. You suck ass. Like, what, what, why are you scoring 23 a game? Like, we need to be losing these games, man. Like, what's going on here? It's unbelievable. And, like, you look at that, and, like, we were talking about it at our, like, NBA writers meeting today. But because they're like, KP, can you write about this? I'm like, oh, my God. I thought I didn't have to write about the jazz this year. But just in the fact where it's, like, they're playing really good small ball. Like, who knew Jordan Clarkson would be the star 
in a small ball lineup on the pick and roll. Like it's unbelievable. Oh, you you got this you got the standings up. Yeah, we're not looking very good here. <laughs> we are way down. I will tell Look you. Look at that uh, jazz, number one seed right now. <laughs> jazz number one in the West. Warriors are down at twelve. Wow, uh, the Thunder are wow. I'll share something with you guys as we're looking at this that uh, I'll tell you only if you promise not to repeat it. There was a moment last night where Steph went up and he came down a little bit gimpy. He ended up being fine, no problem. But he was limping for a minute before he hit the free throw. And during that period of time, you know, like the five to ten seconds before he was fine, I started thinking, Victor Wimbenyama, here we come. It's like time to tank it out. Let's see where it goes. You know, at that point, uh, it looked like a possibility. Um did you sell the house? How did uh, give us oh, on that side? No, no. Okay, like I, I <laughs> clearly I did not sell my house because I'm still here. I thought you but, just um, recreated that background incredibly. I, I was very impressed. I would have. I would have done it. Um, no, I like listed it, and then the interest rates skyrocketed, and uh, I was getting people in Utah are apparently um, cheap, and so I was getting really horrible offers, and I was like, this is not even worth it. And like my brother lives 10 minutes away. I was home four days in October. I'm surprised you guys caught me at home. Like I hit the road again, like on Thursday. Um, but like Gary has free dog care at my Gary, my dog at free dog care at my brother's house. So I'm staying put for now. And well, I was hoping the, the jazz would tank and I would either get Victor scoot or the Thompson twins in, in Utah. And then I would never leave. Cause I would go to every game. Cause I love those kids. Like you said the that as if I don't follow Gary, like a celebrity and all of his <laughs> surfing photos that you have of them. I'm always very <laughs> impressed by Wait, that. Did you see, did you see what we were for Halloween? No, what were you for Halloween? <laughs> we were, uh, so people other than Gary Trent jr. When I got Gary, they asked me, they're like, did you, it's Gary, like from SpongeBob. Right. And I was like, uh, no, what? No. <laughs> And they're like, oh, that's SpongeBob's pet snail is Gary. And I was like, okay. And then I like, I think someone sent me a link and it was this like Gary, the snail ran away and SpongeBob sang this song about missing and loving Gary. And I was like, okay, done. I ordered a SpongeBob costume in July. And then I paid $50 on Etsy to get a dog Gary, the snail costume. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there, did, there we go. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. tell you or ask you? He asked me, he did. Out. He goes, okay. he's like, KP, did you name your dog after me? Did and you I'm like, yes? did you I say said, yes? I, I said, uh, I named him after your dad, Gary Trent Sr. <laughs> but okay, yeah. that's even better played. <laughs> guess what? I dressed my dog up for Halloween. What's your guess? Firefighter, nothing, dude. Oh. I dressed him up as nothing <laughs> because dogs should not be dressed in fucking Halloween costumes. You know what, what are you is? talking about? You know what I, you know what I did? Um, I, yesterday I ordered uh, matching pajamas for us for Christmas. So, and I hate that. I, well, I don't hate it cause he's so cute, but like, I never knew I'd become that dog person and I'm clearly that dog person. Oh no, you're all the way in. If you had just said pajamas, if I had just ordered him pajamas, that'd be one thing. The fact that they are matching pajamas is really impressive. Yeah. And, and it has his name on it. I got, I paid extra to get his name on it. His name or Gary Trent uh, Sr.'s name? I mean, <laughs> whatever, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's the same thing. It's, it's a pleasure having you back. I really appreciate it. I know I'm not alone. For people who need far more Christian Peak in their life, where do they go? You can follow me on Twitter, but listen, I like, I don't, I'm not a Warriors beat and writer. That, like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are a Warriors specialist. I, I, I do. I do watch, I do watch my fair share of Warriors games, but I mainly cover, oh, there it is. I mainly cover <laughs> For the, the we're looking at a picture of Kristen and her dog in full uh, regalia here. Is that your house behind you too? 
No, no, I wish. No, that's no. uh that's in my brother's neighborhood. They just like decked it out with a uh, Halloween costume. No, and in fact, no, that is my house. Yes. I want you to think that that is my house. I was very impressed. I mean, that's that's an incredible like a glowing skeleton whoever put together that thing put in a lot of effort. Um Anyways, if you want more Gary content, I post a lot of him on Instagram. You can follow me at Kristen Peak. Otherwise, you can catch all my stuff on Twitter, Yahoo Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Peak. I'm sorry, I'm I'm still really distracted by that picture that we just saw. I'm not no, sure. No, I'll send you. I'll send you. I I put a video together on Instagram of the SpongeBob uh, theme song. I'll send Careful. it to you. Apparently, Maxime as a video coordinator is really starting to feel his <laughs> skill set here. That might be coming up at any moment. I'm excited to see it. Uh, for us, you want to get us a question, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can shoot us an email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Our social media presence is limited. We are only on Twitter. That one's at Warriors Huddle. Perhaps most importantly, support us on YouTube. You want to help us out? Hop up on YouTube. You don't even have to listen. You can turn the volume all the way down. You can turn off the monitor. You can pretend like it's not happening, but search Warriors Huddle, hit play, and it will really help us. And you might see some incredible dog pictures. I mean, who knows what we're capable of throwing <laughs> on there. It's, it's absolutely worth checking out. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week. Good, good.